Thank you, Evan and Haley. God bless you.
reading today is from the sixth chapter of Mark. It has nothing to do with campus ministry, but God bless Caleb. He's going to make it have something to do with it. (laughs) And it is, uh, this is a story that proves to us that the Bible is not a book for children. So, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead. And for this reason, these powers are at work in him. But others said it is Elijah, and others said it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, He was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? And she replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. And then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Caleb? Good morning. It is really good uh, to be here with you. My brothers and sisters and family... Um, this is a kind of weird passage indeed to jump into, and yet I have really enjoyed um, thinking about how powerful the good news is. Uh, this story is found in the book of Mark, and it's in one of the Gospels. Gospel just means good news, which is kind of crazy if you were to read a story and it's, hey, titled Good News, you expect to hear good and encouraging things in there. And so this story comes out, and it makes us wonder, 
how does this fit in with the good news? Mark, you could have omitted this story, but you chose to include it. And indeed, Mark, you were led by the Holy Spirit. Now, Mark, I particularly like as a character because he, um, like me, was a missionary. He He went out with Paul. Quite unsuccessfully, he returned early from his first missions trip. But he went out again with Barnabas, later reconciled with Paul. And here we see him writing about the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which he, in uh, in the beginning of Mark, introduces John, John the baptizer, who proclaims, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And this story is a bit of a flashback where Herod, as it said in that first verse, Herod heard of it. Now, as we read it, what did, what did he hear of? Well, Herod's actually kind of annoyed as we jump into this passage because he is hearing about amazing things that Jesus and his disciples are doing. People are being healed. People are even coming to life. A girl who died due to illness was brought back to life. And even after this passage, more is going to happen, such as Jesus walking on the water, feeding the 5,000, and Jesus healing the sick. So Herod is full of wonder, and I think regret and fear, perhaps, of what he did to John. Now, for most, for most stories, it's important to have context. My kids are reading some fun, epic stories right now. Claire likes to read a story, a chapter of a story each night. And I personally am, uh, I would say reading, but I'm actually listening to uh, The Lord of the Rings on audio. It's very enjoyable. And that's a story where I can imagine myself in that story. And I'm, I prob- I'm probably a hobbit, you know, for obvious reasons. But <laughs> the hobbits, they, they're heroic um, in that they're willing to do things that they really can't do but they're willing to believe that they can be used for good. So when I read a story like this, though, I must say I have trouble. Who do I want to be in this story? You've got Herod. You've got Herod's really messed up wife, Herodias. You've got this girl, Salome. You've got this audience. And you've got John. Who is the person I want to be like in this story? And yet, as I think about it, the good news is here. The good news is written all over John. John is not somebody who is now living with regret. He is actually someone who is seated with Christ. Mark, the writer of this gospel, would have known something that John did not know. That Jesus was going to actually defeat death, that death would not be the end for anybody who knew and trusted in Christ. Mark knew that this story could be seen as positive, even though a righteous, a good man was murdered, even though injustice was done, he knew that the good news of Jesus had already come, and that injustice and even death itself was about to be conquered. And so he could show the honest and grisly portrayal of John's death 
knowing what we now know, that we have not been left alone, that we were not abandoned, that we, though the world looks messed up and is, though we struggle in our own lives, we have not been abandoned. And everything that would seek to haunt us and scare us has actually been conquered in Christ. What does that have to do with college students? Besides, besides everything, because college every, has everything to do with them. College students, I think especially this past, I think it's been a couple of years maybe since I spoke here, but certainly in times of COVID, in times of racial tension, in times of awareness of injustice, in times of climate change and the urge to do something about it, students on campus, as, you, as I would talk to them, are more and more open, praise God, to actually hearing about good news. They are identifying that, wow, you know what? I, I, I could use some good news. I talk to students um, that are very happy and eager to change the world, to make it a better place. And it's like, God, that's, that's great. And yet, I see in those same students the weight of the burden of trying to fix the broken world. Is there good news for that student? Yeah, there is. Because they can't fix the world. But they can be changed by the God who is fixing the world. They can be relieved of that burden by the God who will make things right, who did conquer everything wrong in this world and wants people to join him in his kingdom that has come and is coming. One where climate change will only be for the better. One where injustice won't exist. One where death will be but a distant memory. Back to to Mark for a second. Mark, a a bit of a hero. He was a young man who decided to take a risk and go on missionary journeys. And a missionary is basically someone who's trying to see the gospel go to places where it is not heard. Right now, Claire and I feel especially called uh, to minister to a population of South Asian American students because there's a great opportunity to not only see their friends who don't know Christ, who come from various backgrounds, whether it be Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, to see their friends hear about God, but to do that, for them to want to even do that, they too will need the conviction of John. They will need the conviction of Mark. That this life is not something to be held onto, but something to be spent for Christ. For he said, whoever tries to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses it on my account will save it. John here used his life on Christ's account and his life is saved. I want that to be true of myself, but in God's call in working with college students, I so want them to see this freedom, this truth, that as they spend their life for Christ, they will gain 
a life that will never be shaken with him forever. They will experience a God who will never leave them, who has never left. John looked like he was abandoned here. Looked like Jesus forgot about him and that John had lived and wasted his life. But we here today know that that is not true. The kingdom that started with Jesus and his 12 disciples, the kingdom that Herod was afraid of, has spread. It has spread to us in this room. It has spread to each of us who has come to trust him. And it will continue to spread until he comes in glory again. And now just like John, we don't understand everything about how that's going to work. But we can trust in his goodness and grace. Claire and I, we get to be missionaries in the city. But our dream in being there in Philadelphia is that we get to interact with people that don't yet know Christ, nor have they even heard of that, heard of him. And that's playing out right now in two ways. One is a great desire to connect with Cambodians in our, in our neighborhood. And the second way is to see college students that we're working with realize that they too can become missionaries. That some of them God is calling to the ends of the earth or to the end of their neighborhood. One student, uh, there's a few students that really encouraged me this year. Um, there's been limited opportunities uh, because there's been few students on campus. But uh, I would go with one student named Josh, <clears throat> and we would go and talk to students. We'd ask them questions about their life and then seek the opportunity to share what Jesus has done for them. And what I saw is that Josh became more and more willing to take the lead in that. And what I've seen with others, as I talk to more and more students, is that they are more and more willing, willing not even to just engage in conversation, but like I said, hear about Jesus. I have uh, a guy, Dan, who graduated two years ago from Temple University, who now wants to intern so that he can be a missionary. I'm excited about that. You can pray that he raises his full support to join our team. I have a girl, uh, Shellen, who who joined the group of college students this year. This year we're meeting all online, and yet the group grew, which is crazy. It shouldn't grow. But people were looking for a place to connect, a place of community, and a place of truth. And so we were able to meet, uh, finally, at the very end of the year, a girl named Shellen, who has a desire already in her heart to be a missionary. I really want to be there to help guide her along that path. Another girl named Merlin, who's so fun, and she took on the challenge of trying to start a group at her university, Drexel University, this year, even though everything would be online. They struggled in a way it worked a little and it didn't work, but I was so proud of her effort to be a light on her campus. And this year she's going to try again now that things are back in person. This story encourages me that we have a gospel that does not shrink away from the hard things in life, but offers each of us what we need. That when, in the end, God calls us home, we can say, it is well with my soul. Like we prayed in that prayer, we will know that all things are brought in harmony in Jesus Christ.
we will know that we are vindicated, not because our hearts are pure on our own, but because Jesus has washed us clean. This is the context we live in. This is the God who loves us, who will call us home, who will bring his kingdom to come. And I want to be caught up in that great story. A story where if you die as a hero, you are remembered well for what you lived for. You are not felt sorry for, but we can be encouraged and proud of all who will live their life for him like John, like Mark, like the apostles, like all of us who he gives that privilege to. May we rejoice in the freedom of the good news that conquers even the greatest darkness and will lead us all the way home. Thank you for the privilege that it is to be supported and prayed for, to be there in Philadelphia, not because it's any darker than any part of the world, but because it's where God has us and wants us to shine. We really love the privilege because we get to be reminded in our own hearts of the good news. If I'm going to share it with someone else, I know I need it every day. And he is there reminding me that he is good and that I am a child of God. Amen.